try meditation? Always cry to meditation. Classic. Patreon. <laughs> Speaking of. <laughs> for everyone who didn't know, uh, we're on Patreon. Yeah. Patreon.com forward slash boys cry to. Yeah, so if you want to um, subscribe, you can. I know we're relatively green to the podcast game, but some decent extras on there, Dan. Um, I mean, at the moment, the main extra is uh, just uncut, ad-free versions of, of what you see here on YouTube. But it is uncensored. It's uncensored. Raw. And we like to say cunt a lot. Potty mouth. What else do we like to say? Um, cunt, cock, balls, fuck, shit. Pussy. Pussy. Fanny. Cunt. Fuck. Cunt. Cum. It's not a swear word. <laughs> <laughs> We're trying to sell it. You've got loads of bleeping to do there. <laughs> That's a nightmare. But I haven't for the Patreon. How you doing, mate? I'm good. You are? I feel fresh as a daisy today. It's still freezing in here. Um, but I feel fresh. It's early morning. Got my coffee. Got my coffee. Made you a nice bacon cheese toast this morning. It's delicious. It's delicious. Um, I do feel like the the more that we progress with episodes, um, the more that you're having to put me up, you know, the, the hospitality levels are, are gradually increasing. <laughs> well, the thing is, when you first came up here, I just had like, anxiety about getting stuff done and all I was thinking about was the podcast, not your gut, unfortunately. It's important. It is. It's important. It keeps me going. It keeps me running. It keeps the energy levels up. I view food as, as fuel. Well, it is fuel. You know, you yeah. need to put fuel in the in the old machine or this just doesn't work. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I'm, I massively appreciate your hospitality, mate. And that bacon sandwich this morning was... Absolutely delicious. Good. I appreciate that. I mean, yeah, no problem. Sweet. Good one. Sweet. Class. Good chat. Moving on. How's your week been? It's been all right. Mm. It's been all right, yeah. Um, I had a bit of spare time this week. So I decided to... Um, but, but I was actually bought a game for Christmas. Yeah, I haven't played games in such a long time. Yeah, you don't get time being a dad, being an adult, work, all that stuff. You know, life. But, um, I decided to game in a bit of a uh, downtime. Yeah, Red Dead Redemption Two, scenic, mm. great. A bit of hunting, fishing, killing, murder, murder, death, <laughs> murder, death, kill. It's an outlet for him. It is, yeah. I'm a nutter. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not. So, um, yeah, hunting, killing, um, hog time people, uh, throwing off a cliff. But I le- I use the. Um, Online feature, you know. Um, you know, I thought oh, I'm gonna socialize via this cyber world, so it's hard, it's hard making friends as an adult, it is. Yeah, but like we said a couple of weeks ago, I don't want to make mates anymore. I've got you and like two others, that's it. I mean, well, you know, I thought I'd give it a go, got the old headset on, did feel a bit of a child, but um, I went into a saloon, like a gathering of people, and it's jarring because it feels like a real bar. Because you can hear everyone talking. I mean, you can mute people, but everyone was talking. So you walked through the the, the like the doors, yeah, and they're there swinging back and forth as you're just standing there, and everyone's head just turns. Turns, yeah. 
But it was like that's what it was like, you know. I walked in and I thought, you know, when I used to play these games as a kid, I used to like run around, rob people, shoot people. So these people are having a gathering, like it's a community center. Like they're talking about like stats and their costumes and things like that. So these are real people, real people, you know. Um, so I walk up to this one chief, you know, he's done in a big cap, pointed my gun at the back of his head, wasted him in the bar, and all of a sudden, all these characters spin round. I'm like, oh my god, dude, why did you do that? Why did you do that? And I started to get shot, boom, 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 dead. I was like, fuck, that's a bit dramatic, right? You did just execute that leader. Yeah, apparently so. <laughs> so I trotted back in, and they were like, no, you can't come here. In fact, no, come into the bar. And explain why you did that. So like, what? Why did you do that? Intervention. And I was like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're like, no, come back here. Oh, we're going to kick you. Kick. Yeah, kick me out of the game. Wow. Right? Powers. And I get called into the saloon. So like, I feel pressured at this point. I'm like, okay, I probably should go because they can kick me out of the game. <laughs> what else can they do? <laughs> Hackers. Mm. What's the point? I just get told off. I just get a dressing down of the rules and regs of this town. That's light, that is. That's a slap on the wrist. Yeah. You murdered their leader, and they just told you off. I felt vulnerable, bro. <laughs> I thought I was going to get cyber executed. You should have You should have pulled the mics out and recorded a segment for the podcast. I, I will next time. Vulnerable situations on Red Dead Redemption 2. I felt... I, had to, I turned it off after that. I felt a bit... Like, I felt bullied. You just had to take five minutes. Took took your headphones off and... Oh, maybe I shouldn't be so reckless going and killing people. <laughs> you know? People take gaming seriously. I'm, I'm glad they do. I'm glad they do. But it, I, I found it quite, um, quite therapeutic. Yeah. I enjoyed it. Because with, with headphones on, yeah, it's an escape, you know? And I was cans, in as we call them. In cans. In the industry. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed gaming. Do you still game? Um, Yeah, I love it. Yeah. I, lo- I love gaming in general. I think I always have, even when I was a kid. I've always kind of played ever since. I mean, the earliest memories I've got is playing The Legends of Zelda, Ocarina of Time with my mum when I was like, Jesus, I don't I've know. I've always liked the look of Breath of the Wild. Yeah, it's one of the new ones. and I mean, the, they, they don't compare to the old Zelda's for me. I mean, the old ones are just incredible. Yeah. Um, Revolutionary just completely changed the way that games are. Well, those type of games anyway. Um, but yeah, I love it. I, I don't do it as much as I would like to. Yeah. Um, I mean, these days, my primary thing is, um, you know, single player stuff. I don't really play online. Um, you know, I like to challenge myself. I, I read a while back that um, I'm sure there was a study done that prove that gaming helps um you know stave off things like alzheimer's because it, it constantly keeps your brain you know you're thinking you know on the outside people might think that you just sat there mindlessly just doing nothing you know yeah. clicking away but you're constantly thinking you have you're to cognitive yeah, yeah, yeah so i mean i kind of like to take it to the next level so whenever i do play any like single player games i'll play them on the hardest difficulty yeah and i'll i'll just completely test myself to and it's grueling, you know, playing. My anger couldn't deal with that. Getting killed all the time. But it's good. It's good for you. It's, it teaches you discipline. 
as silly as that is to say, it teaches discipline because you have to really think about what you're doing. Come at it again. You know, come up with strategies and stuff on the fly. It's, yeah, yeah. it's wild. So, you know, I play games like Dark Souls, Elden Ring, um, Neo, Doom, and I just love it. I love it. I love the challenge and that sense of achievement and accomplishment when you when you do complete things. Do you find it therapeutic? Do you find it as an escape? Yeah, mentally. 100%. It completely transports me to another world. It really does. Um, Fully, fully immersed. I mean, sometimes it can be quite... um, What's the word? Negative to your home life, if that makes sense. That's not the right word. But, you know, when you're completely engrossed and you, you find yourself neglecting things that you should be doing yeah, yeah if yeah, that yeah. makes sense oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> like six hours would have passed and i haven't eaten yeah. i'm like oh shit or you know yeah. six hours has passed and and days is there <laughs> sat crossing her legs <laughs> oi prick you gonna take me for a walk i need a shit <laughs> okay now you try for your character walking around elden ring for nine hours but um, it's it's like with anything though, and it's it's moderation and um, again discipline. You know, you need to teach yourself to know when enough is enough and put boundaries and limits in. But no, I absolutely love it, and I'm, I think I'll always love it. Mm. I get annoyed when I think I'll have a different perspective on it, like when like parents and stuff like have issues with their kids gaming. I'm like. So you said it's still cognitive. They're not just reclusing; like they're doing something they enjoy and it's escape. They're learning different things. Yeah, you know what? Would you rather them doing going out, dossing, dossing, <laughs> throwing <laughs> onions and eggs at people's houses, <laughs> giving alien features a knock? <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's true, especially with today's society, how dangerous and. Um, you know, how many different dark avenues that kids can find themselves in in today's day and age with gangs, violence, that type of thing. I'd much rather my kids be, um, you know, locked up in their bedroom playing Fortnite with their little group of friends. They're still socialising with each other. It's just different. It's the the times. They're not getting stabbed up. They're stabbing other people up. (laughs) (laughs) That's okay, then. Digital people. (laughs) (laughs) Christ. Yeah, good. What are we talking about today? What's on the pod? What's on what's on the agenda? What's on the agenda? Um I don't want you to take this the wrong way. Okay. But I feel like you don't open up enough. In what sense? Um I feel like there's still some layers to your psyche and to your emotional vulnerability that we really need to unlock. Mm. I really do. You're probably right. Wait, you, I think you are, right? We're, make, we're making progress. I just yeah. want you to say we're making progress. Um, when I say that, I don't mean that you need to cry and blubber on the podcast all the time. But I can <laughs> I can just sense that there's, there's levels to things that maybe we haven't hit yet. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And these things will come. And I, to be honest, mate, I just want to fucking crack you open. I want the I want the emotions to flow. It's a safe space, brother. No, I know. <laughs> I know. Um, but no, I, I guess I just wanted to 
and I, I don't think it's an easy kind of subject for many or any people to talk about, um, which is, you know, grief and loss. Mm. And I guess I'm, I'm quite curious about it because I, it's a double-edged sword of a phrase because I haven't really experienced much loss in my life. Um, you know, those around me have, but I guess I haven't really been impacted massively by it. You know, obviously I've had like family members, um, you know, sadly pass away, but I guess it's that close relationship with them that I guess I really didn't have. So it didn't impact me in the way that I know it can impact people, but I know that you have. Yeah. And I, I know it's not going to be easy to talk about, but I know that you've lost two people who were incredibly close to you in different parts of your life. And I guess meant, you know, they meant much different things to you, but kind of had the same roles. Um, so your nan and your dad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess just first off, talk about your relationship with your, with both of them. Like, you know, what was your relationship with them like? Who were they to you? Um, Like my nan, like she was my safe space and I lived with my nan for a while when I was 18 till I was about 21. When I met you, Mm -hmm. I lived with my nan. Um, And ever since I was little, it was always my safe space. I always remember wanting to be there, you know, lying on her sofa with a packet of sweets that she bought me from the market, you know, all these different snacks. I'd look forward to that. Or free apple juices, little cartons. Um, watching omnibus episodes of the soaps that I'd watch all week, but just watching them with my nan again. It's great. And I think of that fondly, and that's my safe space. So she was always my comfort. Like, if I ever needed anything, like, she was there. And... um like, and then, oh God, it, it goes in stages because I nearly lost these people once and I remember the fear of um, losing to the first time and I'm going already. It's all right, bro. Um, I, re- I remember being at my mates one time and um, I got a knock at the door. And we were playing Left 4 Dead 2. No, Left 4 Dead 1. And um, it was Mike Thorny. He'd run from our estate to one of my other mates. And he was like, Kieran, your mum's trying to get older. I was like, what's up? He was like, um, your nan's in hospital, bro. And I was just like, what do you mean? What, you in hospital? She said she had a heart attack. I was like, what? And I just remember, think- I just remember thinking like, nah, not today. I am not ready for this shit. Mm. Um... And she ended up, she ended up getting well from that, and then later on, um, she she had cancer. Um, but I didn't really know she had cancer. I just thought she was having issues from her heart, and I think she just had, I mean, hit stuff really well. Um, and then she really suffered for the last two. Not not suffered, but I feel like she was told that they found something else and she just didn't really share it a lot. So then she had like a colostomy bag for the last, she had a really miserable time. Um, 
and I was kind of milling around wrestling at the time, doing Japan, things like that. I wasn't really around. And um, and I suppose you can't prepare yourself because she went into hospital numerous times and like we were told like this could be. So I started not to believe it. I was like, this is never going to happen. It's just, it's going to be here forever. Like, and I just kind of brushed, brushed into the copy. Um, and then she was in hospital the last time. And then I get a call at like 10 to 5 in the morning saying your nan's took a turn for the worse. And this could be. And I was just like, nah, it's I dress really slowly. Like, I'll go. Like, it's routine now. And then I get there. And I pulled up to Junction 10 by the KFC, where we used to live. And I get a call. And then it's my brother-in-law. She's like, oh, she's gone. <laughs> it's because, like, you don't believe it. You know? You never think that these people are... That she's not going to be there anymore. And she was my safe space. It's alright, bro. Like you said that she was such a big part of your life when we first... You know, when our friendship started and... You know, I'd always go to the flats to pick you up and stuff, you know, whether we were going somewhere with, if we were going to see a, a university, for instance, we'd come and pick you up and it was, you know, it's not something I regret because it's not something I really have control of, but I always regret the fact that I never got to meet her. Knowing that she was a such a huge part of your life, you know, even now, um, I'm gutted at the fact that I never did get to meet her. Yeah, she was nice. She was like any old person. She'd tell you like it is. She didn't give a fuck. The last thing she said to me, she called me a nincompoop. <laughs> she find really funny. <laughs> <laughs> but you never expect these people to be gone. And that safe space is gone. It was weird. Right, I remember her funeral. When like her coffin pulled, like the hearse pulled to the to the flat. I remember, I remember standing in the flat before everyone came there. It was just weird. It was like I was saying goodbye to everything. Like this, this safe space is gone. This person, it was there unconditionally. It was just she's there for everybody. She's there for my dad. She'd take him in all the time, and just, it's wild. So then that safe space is gone. So then, like, I didn't really want to go to Warsaw that much anymore. Like, and this is this stems into my dad as well. I don't think I fully grieved my dad. I don't because I never used to go down regularly anyway. So we didn't really seem a fat lot. So in my brain now, I'm just like, it's like they're still there because I've still got the same kind of, because when I was at uni and stuff, I wasn't around. It's the, I feel like it's the same feeling now. This is why I can't stand really going to my sister's because my dad's room ain't there no more mm. and it's just like yeah, I'm losing my thought here there's too much going on in my head 
No, not at all. Um, Take your time. But yeah. How was the process after she was gone? Like how, I guess, how long did it take you to, I guess you'll never fully accept it or, you know, move on with things. But how was life in the aftermath of it? You know, losing someone who was really your safe space, like your rock. I think that's what kicked me into wanting a better relationship with my dad. I craved it so much. And I remember saying to my dad at the, at the wake, I was like, you need to be there now for us. Like borderline begging him. I was like, we need a relationship. Make it happen. <laughs> like, I need it. Um. Yeah, and I just don't, I don't feel comfortable in that area no more. Um, but you still think about him all the time. I still hear my dad. It's weird. Like when I watch things that we both used to laugh at, I can hear him laughing like legitimately. And when I'm in the van, uh, uh, well, when I was in the van, my last job, like I could smell oil. And because he was a driver and he went with oil, I could smell that and think of him. And I can still feel him. I can feel hugging him if I close my eyes and think. I can feel him. And that's comforting. But I'd have to sit in my sister's and really think like he's not there anymore. I just avoid it. And I feel like I've been avoiding it for years now. And obviously that's not good for my mental health. It's not good for... You shouldn't live like that. You should learn to accept things and stuff. But I don't think anything prepares you for preparing for that or perhaps you for after that. I don't think... I don't think there's any good advice. It's it's wild. And I feel like um like if anything happens to anyone on your end, touch wood, I feel like you'll understand that more then because you're away now. You don't see him as much as you'd perhaps like to. And when something like that happens, you kinda of think like, ah, oh, your brain forgets that they're not there. You trick yourself. Mm-hmm. It's wild. You know, you say that you don't think that you have accepted or, you know, and I guess, you know, you I, I can only imagine that you never will, but maybe that is your way of accepting it and dealing with it because it almost sounds to me like they're, they're not gone, you know, fully, and they never will be because you still feel them, smell them, hear them. And maybe that is your own way of, of accepting it you know, that they're physically not there anymore, but inside, they'll always be there. You'll still have those memories and those thoughts and feelings. Yeah, yeah. No, that's probably on the money, to be honest. Mm. It's confidence. I'm like, I know I'm like my dad. It's hilarious. There's a lot of mannerisms. I still say a lot of the things he did. And I feel like my brain's just like comfy in itself, you know. It is crazy how the sun will slowly start to kind of morph into... His dad. I'm like, not going to be that overweight, though. Sorry, Dad. It's <laughs> <laughs> trying to get me. It's <laughs> trying to catch up. Trying to get me. Like, but you'll you'll start to do certain mannerisms, start certain sounds that your dad. I catch myself doing it all the time. Yeah. And then I stop and think, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> like when I see people, like sometimes I go, Mookie. 
because that's what he used to say. Yeah. Or I'll just be, you know, my fucking brain, how it works. I'll be cleaning or something and I'll be going, okay. And I'll just start doing like random little isms. Is he still there, bro? He's still there with you. You know, he'll... he'll and that's nice. He'll never leave exactly 100%. Um, it, but again, it's, it's something we've never spoke about is how... How you lost your dad, and you know how that process kind of played out. Because um, I mean, it, it was at a time when we spoke about it before, when we didn't really talk, or we weren't too close at that period. Mm. And I think that fell then, and it's unfortunate because I wish I was there, you know, to talk to you and to to be there with you through that period. Um, but like. How did that happen? How did that come around? It's a difficult one because I don't know the actual reasons what triggered what was inevitably a heart attack. But I think he was taking um, some medication continuously that he shouldn't have been taking. Like something to get his legs swelling down on his legs or something. Um and he had loads of supply of this for some reason. Uh, whether he just kept getting prescriptions and not taking it, but then he had loads. And then, I might be wrong in this, but um, this seems right. He kept taking this medication, he's got it swelling down on his legs, and you're not meant to take it past a certain period. So obviously his body, somewhere, is freaking out, and he started to struggle to breathe. Whether it was inflaming his lungs, water log. I feel like because it was water tablets, it could have been waterlogging his lungs and he couldn't really breathe. So he went to hospital yeah, with his missus uh, at the time. And like, I remember my sister was saying, oh, your dad's in hospital. I was like, again, what's he done now? Because he had issues before um, and he, like, he had to lose loads of weight and stuff. He did really well. Um, but he was in, he was like, he can't, I didn't really understand what she was telling me. Um, and I was like, yeah, just, I, me- I messaged him saying, what are you doing now, you silly bastard? Like, told you, stop your smoking and shit. Oh, yeah, it would have been lungs. Because you had to stop smoking. Yeah. So it probably would have been something lung-related. And um, what were you doing, you silly bastard? He went, oh, don't worry about me, muck. I'll be sound. And then I get a call from my sister saying, can you need to come to the hospital? I went, why? He went, it's, uh, dad's had a heart attack. What? And... um. I was just like, again, it's you don't think it'll happen. It, you, nothing prepares you for it. You know, being told your dad's got a heart attack, it's just like, fuck. I was like, is he okay? Okay. They, he had it at the hospital in the waiting room. Not a better place to have it. One would think. One would think. Um, but, you know, they took him into intensive care and whatnot. And... Again, ignorance. Not ignorance. Just trying to reassure myself. Oh, he's going to be alright. You know, if he's alright, if he's stabilised now, and he's not, he's not dead now. It's going to be alright. People have heart attacks all the time, mm-hmm. and I justify it to myself. I did that with everything. I was like, oh, no, he'll be fine. She's like, my sister was like, you got to come down now. I was like, I will when I can. But I was broke as fuck. I had no petrol money. I couldn't. Phys- I was living when I just moved up to Doncaster. Mm-hmm. Um. And I couldn't really afford to do it, which is sad in itself. 
Um, but then, like, my mom kept messaging me saying, like, oh, you need to come, it's your dad. And I'm like, I know it's my dad, but he's going to be all right. Don't, like, I'll come down when I can. I'll come and see him. So one time, it's in intensive care, and I went to see him. I managed to get down. I only went down for, like, half an hour just to see him. And he was in intensive care, fully tubes up and stuff, barely able to, like, breathe. And, um, you know, I saw him. I gave him a kiss and I was like, you'll be right, muck. Don't worry about it. Um, don't go anywhere, I said. Don't go anywhere. So I got back in the car and I drove out to Doncaster. And a couple of days later, I got a call from my sister again. And uh, she said, um, Dad had some really severe brain damage in the heart attack. He was out too long. And... Um, yeah, he's, he's 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 essentially brain dead. So if you even if he wakes up, he's not going to be himself. And and to be honest with you, that's when I thought that to me, that's when he died. So it wasn't the news; he actually died. He's brain dead. He's gone anyway. He's gone. You know. <laughs> And that's when I had my big breakdown moment of like, oh, fuck, he's gone. So then you kind of just don't want him to live. Mm. Because I know he'd hate that. You wouldn't want that for him? Nah. I've just seen my, I'd only see my dad like that. I'd rather him not be there. Again, out of sight, out of mind. Um, so that's when he passed to me. So then when I did get the call to go down and say that was it, it's mad, it's wild. I saw him. And um I didn't I didn't want to wait till the end. Like everyone was in the waiting room saying this was this was time. And I was like, I'm just gonna go and say goodbye. I'm gonna leave you a lot to it. I don't wanna be there when it goes beef. Cause then that's that's too final. Kiff. <laughs> I suppose if I didn't hear that, it weren't real, and I could just go, and I could come back up here, and he's, as far as I'm concerned, he's still in my sister's spare room. Do you know what I mean? Um, and then, yes, he got the call. I, I said goodbye to him. I drove 10 minutes up the road to my sister's house, and he passed the second I left. It's like he waited for me to go, because he didn't want to do it. He didn't want you to say that. Mm. But yeah, it's. I still, I'm, I'm not, I'm not good with it now. Clearly. Um. So if it's out of sight, it's out of mind. But yeah, hopefully talking about it helps, because. It's so negative. <laughs> um, have you um. Have you thought of it? Have you tried to prep yourself mentally for anything like that? Um, I mean, I think about it, I, I guess I think about it often because I don't know what it means when it happens, I guess. Um, Jesus, you fucking got me choked up. Um, there's your content. <laughs> 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 I 
Boys Cry 2, living up to the name once again. Um, Still no I, fucking tissues. <laughs> Still no fucking tissues. <laughs> but I, I, it's weird because I don't think about it from my perspective. I think about it from what that means to the people that they're closest to. Yeah. So it's, it's fucking horrible to think about. Like, it oh is. My, it's disgusting. Like, so if my, if when my dad goes, I think, what's that going to mean for my mum? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or vice versa. Like, when, if my mum was to go, how would my dad, you know, function and, and thrive? And it, I, and at the moment, I think the the hardest thing to kind of think about is the situation with my granddad, because I know that my nan, who he still has his wife, is so dependent on him. Wow. You know, she, she's not the most mobile. She's, you know, she very much depends on him for for a lot, and I'm sure that you know my family won't mind me saying that. So you know, when you know the situation comes and you know, sadly he goes. Like, what does that mean for my nan? How does my nan function every day then? How does she get by? How does she live? But I guess that's when, you know, us, her loved ones, the families, uh, to be around her and to, I guess, be that support arm and, and to help her get through things. Um, because it's it's incredibly difficult to think about. I don't I don't know what that will be. I don't know how that will look. But but that's how I think about, you know, death and losing people, loss, grieving, is how it impacts the people. I don't think about me. Because to me, I'm I'm gonna die before everyone. I don't know why. No, I'll get that. I don't know why I think that, but I'm gonna go before everyone else goes. You're very selfless in that sense. In like financially you always think about others first. Yeah. Like we mentioned last week, I recently got life insurance because the feeling of that, yeah. I mean, I should have had it anyway. I mean, Jesus Christ, I got a mortgage and <laughs> responsibilities. <laughs> but the thing that pushed me to get it was our conversation when we spoke about fears. And I had such a fear that exactly that, when I'm gone, how does my family go on? Yeah. You know, how do they cope? How do they survive? Um, you do need to think yourself as well. And I feel like this is where you're going to get it out is it's okay to be selfless and that's a beautiful quality but you should like you need to think of yourself as well in these circumstances mentally prep yourself for, prep these myself for if yeah. anything happens to other people but I, I just don't think I'm capable there's no real right and wrong answer man like and, and listening to you talk about you know the situation with your nan and your dad it tears me up because I just can't put myself in that situation it's very testing. And like, I used to, God, I've always been a manic depressive kid. Like, I used to cry in bed about the thought of losing my parents all the time. Wild. From as young as I can remember. I've always been like a little bit Where depressive. Where do you think that stems from? I don't know. I'd like to read upon that because I've always like been, yeah, a little bit depressive. But it's weird. Um, but you never think it's going to happen like and that's okay I think it's okay to go through 
life a little bit blind in that sense. Because if you worry about that shit all the time, it's going to tear you up. So I'm a big believer in like, they're here today. Mm-hmm. Make the most of it. Let's not worry about what's going to happen tomorrow. Let's not worry about the past. Let's not worry about tomorrow. Let's not let's not think of the potentials. Just enjoy today. It's, it's important to, even if it's half a percent of that time, to try and prepare yourself. Yeah. Else you'll end up like me. <laughs> Closet with his feelings. <laughs> but this is it. This is the medium. And Absolutely. get it out, man. And I'm... I'm so proud of you for opening up like that. I didn't think I'd cry. I'm not going to lie. I thought I was going to be like, yes, got this. Things just, do you, like, you go back into the moments and then I suppose you just, that's how you felt at the time. Reliving the, the feelings of those moments. But it's important to get out, mate. You don't want to be like a Coke bottle with someone's just put a mento in it and close the cap and shook it up. Because that's why I imagine things could have felt like for the past how many years. And I feel like there is a little bit of that um, that's at play. Like, I am easily irritable. I am hot-headed. I am a super emotional person. I can get angry super easy. I can get annoyed really easily. Um, But we don't see that. No. So I think that you keep a lot of that inside of you. So that's why I'm proud that over the past however long this episode was... You have really just opened up your chest and showed those feelings because that's the first time that I've I've seen you like that, honestly. Other than one of those early calls that you got about your nan. Yeah. Because I was there, we were outside uni. I vividly remember it and you got a call. And that that was the first time that I saw you cry. The first time. Um So other than that moment then, around ten years ago. <laughs> That is the first time that I've saw you open up like that, so I'm proud of you, man. Thank you. I really am. That was good. And yeah, it's important to open up, guys. So please do it. It's important to share. It's important to open up. And above all, mate, it's important to cry. <laughs>